Since June 17, 2018, Politics Weekly has delivered the news consistently, bravely, and fairly. Almost a year later, the same rings true. But on July 2nd, if there is a desire among people that this guy shouldn't be impeached, even though they know he broke the law, I blame Republicans. Two liberals. I don't think any Democrat could win there. In a massive four-person roundtable in the most massive episode of Politics Weekly to date. It's the Politics Weekly 50th episode coming July 2nd on the Nolan Cleary Network on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics news and principles all right everyone welcome back to politics weekly uh, this week we have a special guest. Uh, he is the mayor of Miramar, Florida, and right now he is seeking the Democratic nomination uh, for President of the United States. Uh, joining me today, Mayor Wayne Messam. Uh, mayor, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, the first question I have for you and I guess this is the most important question for anybody who's running for president, is uh, why do you want to be president? Well, I want to, re- well, I want to be the president of the United States uh, to give Americans a second chance at the American dream. You know, being the son of immigrants, uh, my parents came to this country from uh, Jamaica, um, and I was the first of their kids born here in this country. And uh, my parents came from humble beginnings. Uh, my father was a contract sugarcane cutter uh, to support his family, doing very hard labor. And uh, he instilled in me the value that uh, this is a great country and to take advantage of education and opportunities, there's nothing that you can't achieve. So I took that advice and uh, became a star football player, went to Florida State University, won a national championship there, playing for legendary coach Bobby Bowden. I even had a uh, brief stint uh, with the NFL, and after my NFL career was cut short, my wife and I started a construction management business, which is a climate conscious construction uh, business that uh, we're now um, one of the fastest growing minority uh, companies in um, Florida. And um, and now I have the great honor to be the mayor of uh, Florida's 13th largest city, where we are doing wonderful things. We have a great economy here. We're one of the fastest growing economies in the country. We're beating out China for jobs where our companies are growing and expanding here in our city instead of moving abroad to, uh, to China. We passed the living wage. And uh, when you look around uh, what's going on in Washington and the gridlock and the madness there, uh, this country needs leadership. And uh, Americans, they are really on having a tough break. And I'm talking about hardworking Americans. They can't access health care. Um, when you look, about, look at uh, the non-action on, on, on climate change in our country, um, 
the, the American dream is really slipping away from average everyday Americans. So I'm running to give Americans a second chance at that American dream, the same American dream that attracted my parents to this country. Um, now, speaking of uh, climate change, uh, as of this moment, uh, there's a debate going uh, on about the proposed Green New Deal, which was, uh, of course, proposed by New York Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey. Um, say uh, you become president. Um, let's say Democrats get back the Senate in 2020. You win the presidency and Democrats keep the House and the Green New Deal passes through Congress. Would President Messam uh, sign that bill into law? Well, obviously, when you look at what is what was proposed, it's uh, primarily more of an idea and goals. Um, is the Green New Deal. I would definitely look to pass um, uh, a similar reform that would um, capture the end goal as well as the urgency of the Green New Deal. I think it's a wonderful proposal that has definitely catapulted um, the need to act on climate change as well as um, dealing with a lot of other um, social economic um, issues that are um, um, that are going on right now in our country, and it's a great uh, benchmark in terms of where we should be heading as a country. Um, okay. Um, now, right now, you're mayor uh, of uh, Miramar. Why not run for Congress or governor first? Why run for president now? What? Um... Hello? I'm here. I'm here. Well, I think, uh, well, thank you for that question. You know, uh, I think uh, I don't subscribe to the status quo in terms of what um, the traditional path is for president. And if you really think about it, um, we, like I said before, Washington is broken. Uh, mayors are known to be problem solvers. We're closest to the people. Um, and uh, the question becomes in terms of having a Washington experience uh, does not necessarily put you in the best position uh, to be president. Because as a, as a mayor, um, you know, look at the issues that, that, that I'm doing right now as a mayor, you know, across this country. Um, individuals are uh, have to work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. But as mayor, I pass the living wage in my city. Uh, so that our employees um, don't have to work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. You know, I'm suing the state of Florida so that uh, cities like Miramar and other uh, Florida municipalities can have more of a say in terms of gun control and safety in our city uh, because there's a very punitive damage and, uh, for locally for local um, government in passing those types of laws. I can be removed from office by the governor, personally fined $5,000 if I uh, pass from any legislation just to make my city safe. So I can speak uh, directly on my own experience, uh, being a business owner, knowing how to pay payroll and knowing what small businesses, what challenges that they face. Um, I, I think that uh, my candidacy brings a unique perspective. And that's why I think change cannot wait, uh, because um, the question could be, what does Washington you know, experience have to do with meeting the name, I mean, meeting the, the needs of the American people when mayors are doing it every day? in our role as the leaders of our respective communities. Now, um, the deadline uh, for the debates uh, is June 12th. Uh, of course, in order to qualify for the debates, um, you need to get 65, I believe you need, there needs to be 65,000 uh, uh, donors um, from, I think, two or three different states. Back to 20 states. Uh, 200, 200 donors from 20 states. 
Right, and you have to have 1%, at least 1% in two polls certified by the Democratic nominee, uh, National Committee. Well, three. Yeah, three. You have to have three. Oh, it's three. Uh, three. Yes, it's, it's three. Um, so, how confident are you that uh, you can get there by June 12th and, or get to that, dev, or meet the requirement by June 12th, and do you think that there is a path forward um, for your campaign if you can't get to that? Well, you know, my campaign is less than two months old, um, and we're working very hard to meet that deadline for the first debate, um, and um, we are currently working on trying to achieve that. You know, Despite not having my fair share of national media coverage, um, I've already achieved um, one of the three um, national polls. Um, which we're um, very um, um, happy with that, and we're working to hit those other benchmarks. So uh, we continue to work. I continue to go to the early states and and, and working to uh, make that that deadline. But uh, but again, you know, my campaign just launched, um, and um, God forbid, we don't hit on the twelfth. Uh, that doesn't mean that's the end for this campaign. We'll continue to work to get on that debate stage, and we'll continue to um, uh, earn our way into the national uh, platform and national spotlight. Because what I can tell you is that the more Americans that see uh, Wayne Messam, um, the more that um, seem to uh, resonate um, and, and latch on to our campaign. So uh, that's my goal, to get seen by millions of Americans so that we can have our fair share of supporters uh, so that we can continue our campaign moving forward. All right. Um, now you talk, um, you've talked uh, a decent amount about, you know, you passing the living wage. Um, recently, uh, there's a candidate named Andrew Yang, who's been uh, proposing um, his version of an idea for universal uh, basic income, which would allow every citizen in America to uh, receive $1,000 a month uh, if you're over the age of 18. Would you support his plan if you were the candidate uh, for president or the Democratic candidate? Well, I don't know enough about his plan um, to say that I'll support it or not. But what I will say is a Mesa administration will ensure that um, those individuals that are over 18 will have the ability to either get a vocational training as well as being able to get access to higher education and to, to put them in the best position so they can be gainfully employed. Um, so whether it's $1,000, I mean, if you ask yourself, $1,000 um, is not really a lot of money. Um, I really want to make sure that um, that Americans are making much more than $1,000. I want to empower them. That's why I have uh, proposals that will basically train every high school student on how to be an entrepreneur. I'll make sure that, you know, that their higher, their higher education um, is free. Um, in fact, uh, my big idea, and I was the first presidential candidate to propose the elimination of the $1.5 trillion in outstanding student loan debt that's crippling our uh, that's crippling uh, the economic and, and financial mobility of 44 million Americans. You know, since my proposal, there's been a, a couple other uh, candidates that have said, um, propose a, a similar uh, program, but mine is far more reaching and basically eliminates all of the outstanding student loan debt, which is the second highest consumer debt in the country. Uh, and we'll do that as an economic stimulus because our analysis states that 80 to $100 billion will be um, injected into the economy in the first year. We'll create one and a half million jobs um, in the first year. It'll free up about 400 bucks a month for debt um, holders um, that they could perhaps use to invest in their retirement, start a business, 
or perhaps even qualify for a mortgage to buy their first home. Because what I think that this is a moral issue. You know, we're told, go to school, graduate from high school, get a higher education so that you can have a high-paying job. In fact, corporations won't even hire you unless you have at least a four-year degree, at a minimum. But yet, corporations are held to uh, put more skin in the game. A society benefits from a more educated society. So I think that we all are in the same boat, and I think that we can do something to not only make higher education affordable and free, but we can also um, eliminate the $1.5 trillion that's out there. All right. Um, now, a few turning a little bit to foreign policy, uh, a few months back, uh, President Trump made an effort uh, or he made an effort to pull troops out of Syria. He announced that he would be pulling out of Syria. He kind of backtracked on that. I think he said that there would still be troops being deployed into Syria. And there were some mixed feelings from certain Democrats in the field. Um, I know that Tulsi Gabbard supported it. Andrew Yang supported it. Um, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders uh, supported it but didn't like the way uh, he was trying uh, to do it. Um, there were some Democrats, I think, I believe, I don't want to, don't quote me on this, but I believe Biden said he was against it, but I could be wrong on that. Um, what What are your thoughts on uh, the idea of pulling out of Syria uh, personally? Well, it's more than just what he did. It's just his whole foreign policy. Uh, the way that he has uh, taken an isolationist, uh, position and do it alone uh, pathway opposed to working with our allies. We have an administration and a president that basically befriended our enemies and have made enemies of our friends. And we definitely lost our standing uh, internationally. We are no longer viewed as the honest broker. And that will be my philosophy in terms of my um, approach to uh, foreign affairs. Uh, but in terms specifically, in terms of, of Syria, um, the way he did that, this is a conflict next escalation of his own mates um, to abandon our alliances um, with um, other um, allies so that we can have more of a checks and balance against um, Syria and the agreement um, that was made uh, between um, our allies in the United States um, now has left us in a situation um, where we are in today. And I think his reckless and irresponsible actions in terms of this go-it-alone um, uh, position of just uh, with his um, it seems to have a, a, a defense and, and foreign affairs policy by tweet um, on the, uh, an impulse um, to do these type of actions. And that's the problem with this administration. Um, all right. Now, another question I have. One very, very important power uh, of the president is uh, appointing Supreme Court justices. Uh, there's a very strong possibility that if you become president, there could be a vacancy on the Supreme Court. Uh, if that were to arise, do you have any names in mind as to who you'd consider appointing to the Supreme Court? Um, I don't have any names I can release at this moment. However, what will be my guiding polls in terms of um, identifying and nominating a, uh, an ideal Supreme Justice is one that um, definitely understand um, and recognize and respect um, laws to have uh, that are the law of the land and, and precedent that has been set, one that can um, interpret our Constitution as it relates um, to the intent of our, our founding, uh, founding, as well as having balance where we are today as a nation. Um, so I would look for you know individuals who, for example, 
people would respect uh, the fact that uh, Roe v. Wade, for example, is settled law. Um, as you can see now, you have so many heartbeat bills that have been um, passed across um, in many states um, to specifically challenge uh, Roe v. Wade, and, um, and it's a travesty. Um, so I would look for a Supreme Court our um, justice uh, nominee um, who can uh, represent um, um, the values of this country um, that um, understands um, the and can interpret our, our constitution and, and defend um, um, settled law. Um, now, one more question before we get into the news. Um, will you say you don't win the nomination? Will you support whoever the Democratic nominee is, regardless of who he or she may be? Yeah, well, first of all, um, I intend to win the nomination, uh, but in the event, um, I think that whoever um, is the nominee, that all candidates should get behind the, uh, the Democratic uh, nominee, because uh, we cannot afford to have four more years of this current administration. All right. Um, why don't we move on to the news then? So you might like this story. So, um, uh, because it's happening in Florida right now. So Trayvon Martin's, uh, mother, uh, is, uh, running, um, for public office, uh, in Florida. Um, right now, uh, she is, uh, she's running on the platform of gun control, uh, and she is, um, hold on, she is uh, running to be on the Miami-Dade Board of County Commissioners. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, Trayvon Martin's uh, mother, uh, Sabrina Fulton, uh, running uh, for this position? Um, obviously, Miss um, Fulton has had a life of, um, of tragedy with her son being murdered and taken away from us. And, um, and it's amazing to see how she has turned that tragedy into something positive to fight for um, gun safety and control um, across this country. And um, her foundation, um, in remembrance of her son, has done a very um, good good work across this country, and she's an inspiration to other mothers and parents who have lost um, a child um, due to um, gun violence. Um, her um, decision to run for public office is amazing, and um, I think that um, anyone who chooses to, um, to to choose a life of public service um, should definitely do, should do so. So um, um, I don't know enough about her full um, campaign and her platform um, but I support anyone um, who um, wants to work for the American people, and it's always good to have a nice pool of good candidates for the public to choose from um, in terms of representation, in this case specifically the Miami-Dade County Public uh, Miami-Dade County um, uh, Commission. All right, why don't we move on then? So uh, the next story is involving Bill Weld, the former Massachusetts governor, who is, of course, the sole Republican as of this moment, uh, primarying Donald Trump for the Republican nomination for president uh, in 2020. Um, it's not easy uh, being uh, challenging an incumbent uh, president in uh, a primary, uh, but Bill Weld just got a big boost because uh, the Republican governor of Vermont, Phil Scott, um, has said that he will be endorsing uh, Governor Weld for president. Uh, what are your thoughts on him announcing his endorsement for Bill Weld? 
Well, as I said before, I think uh, anyone would be a better option uh, from the Republican side uh, than the current administration. I think what needs to, I think America needs to have good choices in terms of president, uh, and I am confident that the um, the eventual Democratic nominee will um, be victorious to whoever the Republicans may nominate to represent them in the general election. All right. Why don't we move on then? So uh, recently, um, uh, Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, um, has said that the proposal uh, to replace uh, Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill uh, with Harriet Tubman will be delayed until at the very least 2028. Uh, this sparked a polarized reaction uh, from both sides. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, Andrew Jackson staying on the $20 bill uh, rather than uh, Harriet Tubman ending up on the $20 bill? Well, I think that this is just consistent with this administration as it relates to anything um, of significance that represents people of color. Um, I think um, it, this nation was ready for um, an African-American, in this case, specifically Harriet Tubman, who has a legacy of freeing slaves uh, to be represented on our currency. And um, there's no reason why it should be delayed. Um, and um, it's, 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 it's an unfortunate um, situation, and I uh, send, uh, sincerely um, hope um, that this would be um, reconsidered, but a mess of administration would definitely make a change to that. All right. Um, why don't we move on? So two major uh, stories uh, involving uh, the political uh, upcoming r- political races in Kentucky. Um, this week, uh, there uh, they did have their primaries. Uh, of course, there is a a major gubernatorial race uh, this uh, November. Uh, Democrats would like to unseat incumbent uh, Republican. Uh, Matt Bevan, uh, the sitting governor uh, of Kentucky. Um, this week, uh, Andy Bashir, the sitting attorney general of Kentucky and the son of former Governor Steve Bashir, uh, won the Democratic nomination uh, and will face off against Bevan uh, in November. Uh, what are your... Th- um, also, we did learn that apparently... Uh, Obviously, in 2020, the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, um, is uh, is thinking about, obviously, he's uh, planning to run for another term for re-election. I believe it's his seventh term. Uh, but uh, now, uh, George Takai, uh, the actor, the famed actor from Star Trek, uh, the 82-year-old, is thinking about uh, run- moving... Uh, to Kentucky uh, to launch a campaign uh, against uh, Senator McConnell. He said on Twitter that he was seriously considering a run against the Senate Majority Leader. What are your thoughts on this and the Kentucky primaries? And do you think Democrats have a chance of picking up uh, a seat for governor uh, this year? position in general, not knowing all the details about these other state um, elections, but I support Democrats. I support great Democrats that have democratic values and principles that will help move our um, country forward instead of backwards, like a lot of the uh, policies and political positions as was coming out of Kentucky. Um, the senior 
Rutgers, uh, Kentucky, uh, Senator, um, and, and Washington. So I, I would support um, the Democratic nominees and wish them well in those races. But I, I would like to uh, focus more on my campaign how your listening audience can help me get to the debate stage. And they can visit my website at wayne4usa.com. That's wayne4usa.com and be one of my 65,000 um, uh, donors uh, to help me get on the debate stage so we can talk about how we uh, can um, bring our country um, to the point where we are thinking big again, where we are moving our our country forward again, where we are respected internationally again, and when we start working for um, the average everyday American again. All right. Um, so why don't we move on? So um, uh, Trump, uh, intru- so right now there's a big feud uh, right now regarding uh, Trump and an infrastructure bill. Uh, right now there was a proposed uh, infrastructure bill uh, that um, uh, that was proposed by Democrats. Uh, uh, right now, uh, there's a big feud between Trump regarding that. Um, but uh, and right now, and right now, it's looking like Trump may uh, decline that infrastructure bill. What are your thoughts on this whole feud between Trump and Pelosi uh, regarding infrastructure? Well, you know, um, it just goes to, again, um, back to the reason why I'm running, and that is because how Washington is broken, uh, how uh, it's just, it literally um, is not serving the American people. Um, well, um, um, the this current uh, president uh, is not representing Americans, it's not representing our nation, it needs to be removed um, in this uh, election process. And um, I think uh, that uh, the leadership of the House, uh, Nancy Pelosi, um, has um, done the best that she can do dealing with a very unpredictable and unstable uh, president. And um, I think that if there was any political will to do an infrastructure bill from this White House, that it would have taken place uh, by, at this point. Um, so um, it is very important that we do invest in our infrastructure because it's not only is it needed to make our nation more resilient, um, but if you can put people to work in Washington, needs to get their act together, and that's why I'm running so I can change that. All right. Um, so uh, recently, um, there's also been uh, talk uh, uh, regarding potential impeachment uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, Democrats um, having mixed feelings about it. Uh, Nancy Pelosi saying she's not there yet. Um, however, other Democrats uh, suggesting it could be time uh, to start talks uh, about uh, impeachment. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, personally on that? I think uh, Congress has a constitutional duty to do its job of oversight, um, and it's uh, and it's quite evident that this um, administration is doing everything it can to um, delay and to prevent the legislative branch from doing their constitutional duty uh, of oversight. Um, I think the, uh, the evidence that's been presented in the uh, Mueller report, uh, at least the redacted version, I'm sure there's even more in the unredacted uh, version, that really um, has uh, put Congress in the position um, of what they, they need to do. I've already been on record in terms of it appears that the data leads to the justification to, at a minimum, begin um, impeachment hearings, our inquiry. 
um, and let the let the facts unfold where they where they may. Uh, but in terms of the American people, I think the American people want a president that's uh, that's not conducting himself or herself um, in the manner that our current uh, president is conducting himself. Um, I'm focused on the issues of the American people. Congress has to do their job. My job, in terms of as a candidate, is to show um, your listening audience on on why my voice needs to be heard on the debate stage and how they can help me uh, to uh, make sure that these progressive ideas, um, one from a successful mayor, successful business owner, um, and, and the vantage point and the unique uh, qualifications that I bring to the table that won't be presented on that debate stage, um, um, like a, a U.S. Senator or a House of Representative or a former governor I may present themselves. All right. Um, and uh, one more story before we uh, we sign off. Um, so uh, as you may have heard, there was uh, a couple months back, there was um, some controversy uh, regarding uh, Governor Ralph Northam. He was, of course, the Virginia governor because uh, there was a photo that came out allegedly of him uh, doing blackface. Um, uh, at first he apologized for it, but then he said it wasn't him in the photo. Now he is saying that he is going to, uh, release, uh, findings. Apparently there was a probe done to investigate whether that was done, uh, whether that was him in the photo or not. And he is going to release, uh, that probe. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I, I think, um, as a country, we need to get beyond our dark um, history, and that starts with us um, as a nation formally um, extending an apology for um, our nation's uh, past sins, which we've yet to do, so we can begin to heal from a racial perspective in this country. Um, and I think um, Americans um, are, are, are not interested. This is not on the top of Americans' um, viewpoint. Um, the, you, when you have Americans who can't afford their prescription medication, you have Americans who don't have access to health care. You have Americans that have their children at actually doing active shooter drills in school um, and violence in our streets and people having to work two and three jobs. That's what's on the top of their minds. Uh, they could care less about a yearbook from a medical school uh, that um, may perhaps show some um, racism or bigotry um, of, of, a, of a governor's past. Um, at the end of the day, Americans are looking for a president who's going to work on uh, their needs and to solve their everyday challenges so that they can achieve their American dreams. So I thank you so much for having me on your program. And thank you. I'm very spirited and, um, and, and all the best. And I your listening audience to just visit Wayne uh, for USA.com and be one of my 65,000 donors. Thank you, Mayor, and good luck with your campaign. Thank you so much. Have a great day, sir. You as well. Thank you. Uh, you know, I think if you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. He's one of the most far-left candidates in the Democratic field. His unconventional ideas have given him a cult following and made him one of the front-runners in the Democratic primary. This is Bernie Sanders. And this is his story. The candidates. Keep America great. Their story. Yeah, you're always, when you're young, you're always 
patted on the head and told that you're the future. But I'm interested in what you can bring to the present. And their fight for the White House. I have the most progressive record of anybody running. If you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. Presidential Profiles 2020. How we could actually make this government work, not just for a thin slice at the top, but make it work for everyone else. I think that, sure, if people want to specula speculate about running mates, I encourage that, because I think that Joe Biden would be a great running mate as vice president. Bernard Sanders was born on the 8th of September, 1941 in Brooklyn, New York to Elias Ben-Yehuda and Dolores Sanders, both immigrants from Russia and Poland. Sanders' uncle Abraham Schnitzer was killed during the Holocaust, and the events leading up to Adolf Hitler's election as Chancellor of Germany sparked Sanders' interest in politics. Sanders attended PS 197 in elementary school. His older brother Larry has said that although basic necessities like food and housing were affordable for the family, more expensive items like rugs or curtains were harder to afford. Sanders attended James Madison High School and joined the track team where he eventually became captain and took third place in a Nick Indoor race. Sanders ran for student body president in high school, but came in third place. Shortly after graduation, Sanders was faced with tragedy when his mother died at just 46 years of age. A few years later, his father died at just 57 years of age. Sanders attended Brooklyn College, and eventually the University of Chicago. At the time he became a writer, and started writing rape fetish erotica, which many have criticized him for today. Sanders quickly became a political activist in college. He joined Young People's Social League and joined the civil rights movement in the 1960s. He was even arrested at one point for his involvement. He also rallied against George Beadle's segregated housing initiative and attended Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous March on Washington. Sanders also heavily protested the Vietnam War. After graduating from college, Sanders perused different jobs like being a teacher and a carpenter. However, he decided to move to Vermont in 1968. He made what he called radical educational films for public schools in the state. Ordinary citizens feel very hopeless about the future. In Burlington, we have shown that you can stand up to the system and at least you can win some good victories. Sanders launched multiple third-party campaigns on the Liberty Union Party line. In 1972, he ran for governor of Vermont against Democrat Thomas Salmon and Republican Luther Hackett. Salmon defeated Hackett by a 53-43% margin. Sanders only received 1% of the vote. Sanders also ran for Senate that year, only getting 2% of the vote against Democrat Randolph T. Major, Jr.'s 33%, and Republican incumbent Robert Stafford's 64%. Sanders made another effort for Senate two years later, this time getting 4%, as compared to Republican Congressman Richard Mallory's 46% and Democrat Patrick Leahy's 49%. Sanders ran again for in 1976, 
Once again seeking the Liberty Union line, he faced Republican Richard Snelling and Democratic State Treasurer Stella Hackel. Sanders did slightly better, receiving a better than expected 6% of the vote. However, he still came in third as Hackel received 40% of the vote, and Snelling received 53%. Sanders finally saw his big break in 1981 when he ran for mayor of Burlington, Vermont. I won the election, I think, because we effectively put together a coalition of low-income people, elderly people, who in Vermont are very often up against the world economically in very bad shape. Sanders challenged incumbent Democratic Mayor Gordon Paquette. Sanders, who had never won an election in his life, which led to many not viewing him as a serious candidate. This led to Paquette barely campaigning due to his belief that Sanders couldn't win. However, in a down-to-the-wire race, Sanders beat Paquette by just 10 votes, making him the city's 37th mayor at just 39 years of age. If I were the president of the largest bank in Burlington, I'd be real nervous about you. Well, they may be. Sanders called himself a socialist during his time as mayor, and has come under fire for statements he has made about the Soviet Union at the time. I think it's also fair to point out that when we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also were extremely impressed by their public transportation system. Sanders hosted a foreign policy speech with libertarian socialist Noam Chomsky, whom he praised. Sanders balanced the city's budget and brought a minor league baseball team, the Vermont Reds, to town. His legacy was most remembered for his Lake Champlain renovation efforts. Sanders was easily re-elected multiple times. In 1983 he defeated Democrat Judy Stephanie by 52-30% margin. He also beat Republican James Gilson who received 17% of the vote. In 1985, he faced a more serious challenger, former Democratic Lieutenant Governor of Vermont, Brian Burns as well as Independent Diane Gallagher. In spite of the challenge, Sanders won by a 56-31% margin over Burns. Gallagher received 12% of the vote. In 1987, he was elected to his final term, defeating Democrat Alderman Paul Lafayette by a 55-30% margin. In 1987, U.S. News and World Reports ranked Sanders amongst the greatest mayors in America and called Burlington one of the most livable cities. When they stood up to the bosses and the government and fought to create the unions that would provide them with decent wages and decent working conditions, freedom, dignity, the willingness to stand up against the mighty and the powerful, the human spirit, strong, resilient, alive. In 1988, Vermont single Republican congressman Jim Jeffords announced he'd retire from his house seat to run for U.S. Senate. The vacancy gave Vermont Democrats state lawmaker Paul Poirier, whilst Republicans nominated Vermont's Lieutenant Governor Peter Smith. Sanders launched an independent run for the seat. 
With Tuiria losing momentum, Democrats turned to Sanders. On election day, Sanders lost to Smith by a 41-37% margin. A year later, Sanders retired as Burlington's mayor to focus on a rematch in 1990. This time, Vermont's Democratic Party cross-endorsed him. Smith's decision to support an assault weapons ban hurt him with gun-owning constituents. In 1990, Sanders beat Smith by a 56-39% margin. Sanders angered colleges on both sides of the aisle for accusing them of being bought off by lobbyists. Sanders started the Congressional Progressive Caucus, but refused to caucus with either party. He also fought for banking reform in the House. In 1992, Sanders ran for re-election. He faced Republican Tim Philbin. Democrats nominated Lewis Young. In spite of challenge from both sides, Sanders defeated Philbin by a 57-30% margin. Young only received 7% of the vote. They want to see our industry be rebuilt. That's what they want to see. No more B-2 bombers. No more Star Wars. Let's make the quality products we need. Let's invest in American industry. The Amer no, I won't yield. The American people want to see our kids educated. In 1994, Sanders faced his most formidable foe yet, Republican John Carroll. Carroll was gaining momentum in the race, and a strong Republican current in 1994 gave Sanders the fight of his life. Sanders ultimately beat Carroll, albeit by narrow 49-46% margin. This marks Sanders' narrowest congressional win to date. Sanders had more luck in 1996 when he beat Republican Susan Sweetser by a 55-32% margin. Democrat Jack Long received 9% of the vote. In 1998, he beat Republican Mark Candon by landslide 63-32% margin. He saw his biggest House victory in 2000, when he beat Republican Corin Ann Kerin by a 69-18% margin. Democrat Peter Diamondstone received a measly 5% of the vote. Sanders retained his progressive voting record, opposing the war in Iraq. In 2002, he beat Republican Bill Newt by a 64-32% margin. Sanders ran for his final House term in 2004 when he beat Republican Greg Park by a 67-24% margin, and Democrat Larry Brown, who received 7% of the vote. Sanders ardently opposed the bailout of big banks in his final term, and opposed the Patriot Act. In 2006, incumbent Senator Jim Jeffords, who was elected as a Republican but had since become an independent who caucuses with Democrats announced he would not be seeking re-election. Sanders ran on the Democratic line to replace him. He was endorsed by New York Senator Chuck Schumer. Sanders won the Democratic primary, but rejected the Democratic line to run as an independent. Nevertheless, no Democrat appeared on the ballot, and Sanders retained the endorsement of the Vermont Democratic Party. He faced Republican businessman Richard Tarrant. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message because dishonest ads should not be part of Vermont politics. 
For months, my opponent, Rich Tarrant, has been spending millions telling us about himself. Well, it's his money and he can spend it if he wants, but he has no right to distort my record or what I stand for. I can't match his money ad for ad, but I'll let the truth speak for itself. I trust you to use your good judgment. Please go to my website and check the facts. Thanks for listening. Sanders beat Tarrant by a 65-32% margin. Sanders announced he would caucus with the Democratic Party, which gave them a narrow 51-49-seat majority in the U.S. Senate at the time. Sanders pushed for banking reform and supported an auditing of the Federal Reserve. Sanders opposed President-elect Barack Obama's nomination of Timothy Jeffner for Treasury Secretary. He, along with fellow Democrats such as West Virginia Senator Robert Burke, Wisconsin Senator Russ Feingold and Iowa Senator Tom Harkin all voted no on Jeffner's nomination, though he was eventually confirmed by the Senate. We don't know what the overall election results for the United States will be tonight. But what we do know is that this is a pivotal moment in American history. In 2012, Sanders ran for re-election against Republican John McGovern, a former Massachusetts state lawmaker. Sanders beat McGovern by a 71-24% margin, the largest victory of his political career. In 2016, Bernie Sanders made a crucial announcement. Hillary Clinton's first official challenger for the Democratic presidential nomination. Sanders announced his candidacy for President of the United States as a Democrat. Initially, Sanders wasn't taken seriously, however, Sanders saw a huge following of younger supporters and saw a huge pouring in of donations. However, he still lacked in the polls in comparison to front-runner, former First Lady, former New York Senator and former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Madam Chair, I move that the convention suspend the procedural rules. I move that all votes, all votes cast by delegates be reflected in the official record. And I move that Hillary Clinton be selected as the nominee of the Democratic Party for President of the United States. Sanders received polarized reaction for his positions. Many praised what they viewed as parallels to President Franklin D. Roosevelt who argued for workers' rights and left-wing populism. Others criticized Sanders for his socialist voting record. Sanders won 23 states, but lost the nomination to Clinton. WikiLeaks later leaked classified emails from the Democratic National Committee revealing me-dailing occurred to help Clinton obtain enough delegates to win the Democratic nomination. Sanders endorsed Clinton's campaign for president regardless, but changed his party registration from Democrat back to independent, though he would continue to caucus alongside Democrats. Clinton would eventually lose the general election to Republican New York businessman Donald Trump. Sanders instantly became a staunch critic of Trump, 
and campaigned for left-wing socialist candidates like himself during the 2018 midterm elections. One such candidate was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who defeated New York Representative Joe Crowley in a Democratic primary upset. This is what organizing looks like. Sanders was re-elected yet again to the U.S. Senate in 2018, by a 67-27% margin defeating Republican Lawrence Lupin. Rumors spread that Sanders would run for president again as a Democrat in 2020. In early 2019, he announced he'd do just that. If elected, he would be America's first Jewish president and would be the oldest president at 79 years of age. Polls consistently show him in second behind for former U.S. Vice President and former Delaware Senator Joe Biden. Now, he hopes to be America's 46th president. Welcome to the political revolution. To learn more about every candidate for president, keep it right here on Politics Weekly. And make sure to stay after each episode for Presidential Profiles 2020.